If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com slash merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. Well, I can't believe it's the holidays already. This year just flew by. I think this is my third podcast this year versus the 29 that I did the year before. So I apologize for not being as prolific, if you will, this this uh, time around. But it's it's been crazy getting back to work, and I hope it's been a better year for everyone listening than the year before. But it also gives me a chance now to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy, happy Holidays, whatever it is that uh, you celebrate. Or maybe it's just you love to take the two weeks off every year and and don't celebrate anything. Welcome those people too. And I do wish everyone who listens to the show the best. And hopefully next year will be even better. Things are opening up. They're closing up. It's it's still crazy, but we're all getting by somehow, hopefully. And um, I hope that everyone has a great year next year. And I hope that everyone enjoys my guest tonight because today, whenever you're listening to it as a podcast, that's the beauty of it. You get to you get to decide. But my guest today is an incredible guitar player slash multi-instrumentalist and musical director here in Los Angeles. He's played and MD'd for Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Megan Trainer, Leon Bridges, Christina Perry, and for a brief but hopefully not only stint with the one and only Dwight Yoakam. But he's recently left us to be the musical director for Casey Musgraves. And if you don't know who that is, check her out. She's incredible. He's also played at the Grammys, the Emmys on American Idol, and all of the late night shows, including this season of Saturday Night Live with Casey. On a side note, this interview was recorded before their SNL performance, but it went wonderfully well, and you should check it out on Hulu. I haven't known him super long, but we became fast friends on the road, and he's a really awesome guy. And I'm really excited to feature my conversation with the super talented Drew Taubenfeld. Thing about that, that strikes me about you, that's not exactly me, and I wish I was better at, but it seems like you really love to learn. Absolutely. And that's probably a gift in, in this business. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm always the guy that's like, I, I used to play trumpet as a kid. Those were my first like private lessons. And I had a 6.30 lesson every Monday at six o'clock, right on the nose, I'd start practicing, you know? And like, I just, I, I'm more of a like interactive. That's what I love about music. It's mm-hmm. like the, the interaction. So for me to sit and play alone, it just drives me nuts. I, I hate it. You, you know? need people. You need I band. need people. Yeah. I need a reason. Sure. You know, <laughs> but 
not all guys are, guys are like that. And, and I think it's an advantage sort of. So where do you think that came from? I, I think I'm still, I'm still thinking about it and figuring it out because I, you know, I think it's a double-edged sword. I, I, I love to, to me that, that space when you have a new instrument and you don't know anything about it or like a new language or whatever, like the first part of it, you learn so much every day and it's just so exciting. And you, the, the gains you can make are, are, you know, pretty huge in a short period of time. And like, right. I, I call it the honeymoon phase, you know? <laughs> and um, I think sometimes I go back and forth between what you're saying, like, wow, what a, what an advantage. And then also, man, if I really could just sh- shut up and sit down and focus on guitar, I could right. really be good by now, you know? Right. So, so sometimes, sometimes I wonder about it and say, do, am I just kind of flirting with all these little, like dipping my toe into all these things when I really could be just digging deeper on maybe my main instrument. But I've learned about myself, you know, at at my age, I can't function anymore on sheer like willpower. Like I have to be something, I can't just like grip my teeth and like I'm supposed to be practicing eight hours a day. I have to be in love with it. I have to wake up and just be like, like, like excited to go do something. And for Mm. me that, that new instruments, new styles, exploring records I've never heard before trying to get a figure out a, a style of music that I know nothing about really keeps me going in a way that you know is makes me invigorated right right and do you find it sort of like meditative yeah yeah like yeah. do you enjoy that aspect of it yeah I really do like here's this thing you can't really do it that well and like here's someone showing you how to do it and you can kind of just sit sit in your room and play really slowly and watch it get better little by little I kind of, I like that space, like deep work, you know, when your time disappears, you look up and it's 9 PM all of a sudden. Yeah. I really, I think that's a special space. And if I'm honest, I have trouble getting to that same space sometimes like with a guitar. Cause I've been mm. fighting that. Those improvements are like in are millimeters now. Right. So it can kind of. Cause you're so great. <laughs> or <laughs> no because yeah because i've tried it so i think i have too much baggage it's yeah. like a bad relationship mm-hmm. that's like yeah we can't start over baby because it's just we fought too many <laughs> too much too long I, yeah I, I think i almost wish i learned guitar with the brain that i have now you know right or however it was polluted in music school or whatever i think there's just baggage there yeah you know no yeah definitely Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think about that sometimes too. Like I've played the bass guitar since seventh grade. Like I've done it so much. And like over time you go through those periods, just like a relationship. Like when I don't want to touch the bass, I don't want to think about it. And then other times when I'm like, Oh, I'm just, maybe I've learned something new or I get a new gig that introduces new skills or like, you know, cause that's another thing I, I'm always into is just like, it's really easy to go into other, some gigs and complain about the way people are asking you to play. Sure. But if you just give into it and do that, you'll just find that you've just opened up a whole branch of your playing that you wouldn't have had you complained. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's to me, one of the best parts of working is yeah. like it, it can teach you things you cannot learn by yourself, which is adapting right. to a singer's perspective on how you should play your instrument, which is frustrating at times. But right. You walk away with like, this it just is this armor it's this mm. this wealth of experience yeah know? and uh, you're a berkeley guy 
Yeah. And so that's another thing too. Like you come out of Berkeley and for me, I just I had all these chops and I want to use them all the time. And like, you know, some, some musical directors are frustrating or some situations. Like I played the blues for about six, seven years after I got out of Berkeley and it was like, Oh God, there's just nothing to play on the blues for a bass player except the bass line and three chords a night. You know sure, I mean? sure. <laughs> um, but at the same time, the end of that is like, wow, I, I can, I'm a really good, I'm, I'm good at that now. You know what I mean? And if you need me to play nothing else but just the bass line, now I have that, you yeah. know? Which not a lot of people coming out of music school can do right? right. sometimes. You know, you have oh, to man. be around those people that play and know when to walk a certain way. Like, right, there's a way mm-hmm, to, and there's sure. a way to turn around a phrase that doesn't have anything to do with other styles sometimes, right? You right. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How was your Berkeley experience? You have an interesting story about that, actually, because you couldn't play. Yeah, it's a funny... <laughs> <laughs> you went to music school not being able to play. Right. Read a lot of books, you know. Um, yeah, that. I guess for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, friends would know, but um, very early on, I, I had just really painful um, like carpal tunnel, tendinitis, muscle strain, whatever. I was practicing a lot. And probably with a lot of stress, you know, looking back on it now, just like I got to keep up with these kids that are so good, you know, and and my hand just kind of gave it just, you know, I couldn't turn a a doorknob without pain, you know, that. And so it was scary. And I didn't really know there weren't a lot of resources that I was aware of. Today, there's a lot more, but it was scary. And I had some teachers saying, I'll play through the pain. Some teachers saying like, like, don't do not do that. You could end your career. Like, you know, so yeah. I didn't really know what to do. And there, and, and was this at Berkeley or this was previous to getting there? At Berkeley. It was probably okay. like my like third week of classes, Oh wow! you know, like yeah. right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, so my guitar was kind of in the closet for my first two years at Berkeley. Wow. It was really strange. And, um, you know, and I'd, you'd have these final exams and I would practice all the scales in my head. You know, here's mm. G Mixolydian from this position. I would just practice it in my head and I'd pick up the guitar, lightly play it maybe the day before the exam and then go past the exam. It was a, kind of that thing. And um, wow. which is a wild, you're watching everybody get, it's like you're starting a race and you trip and everyone's just like on the third lap already. Right. And then of course, right. you know, you notice, you, you recognize music isn't a race, which is a whole nother conversation, but that's how mm. you feel as a 18 year old kid. Right. Like what... I, I'm never going to catch up to these guys and women, you know, but mm. for me, it was actually helpful in the long run. Cause I took a lot of like, I was like, well, what do I do? I'm here. I want to be a musician. This is what, my life. Like, I don't want to just go to accounting school. It just, it wasn't even an option, even with, I couldn't play guitar. Mm-hmm. So, um, I took like all these ear training classes, Beethoven string quartets, arrangements, you know, music history and just kind of learned and listened to like a thousand records, you know, um, at that time it was a lot of jazz. That's what, you know, music schools at that time, I don't know what it's like now. It's like, if you don't listen to jazz records, you're not a musician, you know, right? Something like, whatever that is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was listening to music, studying music and like slowed down. And I think I was in high school, I was kind of a flashy player, you know, I shredded and like all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that time really calmed me down and, and, f- found a, I wasn't a very fiery person. Like I didn't play a lot like my personality. And I think not playing for two years and listening a lot. And when I got the guitar back, I was like, well, what do I actually want to do with this thing? You know, I don't really want to play 16th notes with the metronome at 
right. see, count the you know BPM you can get to. <laughs> and um, it really, yeah, it forced me to find, I think, um, a way of expressing guitar. Because when it came back, it was a process. It wasn't like, okay, two years and then here it is. It was, mm. you know, really light strings on the guitar, not bending notes and getting back into it. And yeah, it just changed the way I approached music, which was interesting, you know. Did you do the diploma program or like the full degree? The degree, yeah. So there was an academic you probably had to take care of anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to like a community college leading up? Or Yeah, I looked into I that. I had some friends that had done, or you know, I talked to people that did Berkeley and they said, if you can get some of that stuff out of the way. So I, you know, Got tested it. out of some courses, took community college. And then there were some really good ones. You know, there was art history and with the... This guy, Professor Tate, I think his name was, he was like, he worked at one of the museum of, you know, museums there. It was like a really interesting, I think people say, oh, you go to Berkeley and the classes are bullshit and, you know, but right. I think I learned probably a lot in art history and psychology. And I mean, that's such that's an 18 cool. year old thing to say, like, fuck, fuck all the, yeah. you know, like, it's like, well, philosophy is going to have a lot to do with playing music, I would think, you know, if you yeah. can get a, you're already paying for the class, you might as well learn something there. Yeah. You know, if you can, if you can, I mean, I took, I took a philosophy that my one academic that I took there just for fun. Cause I was doing the diploma thing yeah, was a philosophy class, but I just realized the first day, like I'm in here with a bunch of songwriters that just think everything they say is incredible <laughs> and they really want to use big words. Um, and it was just like most of the class just l waiting for them to shut up. So <laughs> like learn something, you know, I don't know. That's like gigging anyway. W waiting <laughs> yeah. for songwriters. No. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for singers to shut up. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, but yeah, that's sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I bet that's, I bet most colleges are like that. People just trying to, you know, yeah, probably trying to sound smart in philosophy class or whatever. Yeah, but if you can listen in philosophy class rather than talk, that's when you're really getting right. somewhere. <laughs> Which is a great lesson about music, you know? Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, of course, of course. And that people forget, and it's rare. About? It's rare. You know, I think there's. I don't know how yeah. you feel. I think we're surrounded by incredible musicians, but I feel like um, people who really are present in the room and like hear and find space is is more rare. I think then like, holy cow, you can really play that instrument, you know? Yeah, for I, sure. I think so, you know? Well, I think it's it's a weird time too, especially with COVID. But like, I had a, a friend of mine, Corey James on here, uh, and he's a younger cat out of Berkeley. And, and he was just talking about, it's a chops world. And it was like, you have so many people on YouTube where your job, it, you're just by yourself showing off. Like that's how you get ahead now. Sure. But it really doesn't lend you to being a great lend to you being a great player you know what i mean like <laughs> that's really neat but it doesn't really show off what i need if i'm hiring a, a bass player or, or a guitar player or whatever you know what i mean sure but it's like what do you do that's how you promote yourself it's a weird time yeah and, and then you have this pop music which is not about chops in any way whatsoever right at the same time so if you want to make a living having all that chops that you're showing me on your youtube video it doesn't jive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm glad you're you're, you're bringing that up because I think that's a really challenging thing for young musicians, for for for, for aging musicians too. You know, we're kind of like, well, what do, do I need to fucking get a TikTok account? And right. like, look, what do Big you know? You know, so like, mm -hmm. I think everyone is. We're all in this pool, um, not struggling with these things, but thinking about them. And yes, for younger players, it's like, do I need to be chops guy? And yeah, and I think there's so many ways to think about it. I encourage everybody to to really take stock and 
back to the two years I wasn't playing, like think about what you want to say on an instrument. Because I think there's a tendency to be out of college and like at this race, like, oh, this guy's on this gig and I need to do it. And I think if we look at a music career on a long timeline, like you really can take space and like, okay, your friend might be like the hot shot guitarist on Instagram and they might get a couple gigs before you do, but that doesn't mean you have to like copy all those licks on Instagram. You know, you can have a different path, you know, and there's so many ways to make a living as a musician and people are, you know, doing that Instagram thing and demo videos. People are doing podcasts. People are writing songs and scoring films and teaching lessons and playing country music or playing pop music. And like, I think it really, mm-hmm. it, it, it can, you can feel left behind, but that is what Instagram does. It, you know, it makes women feel unattractive. It makes right. musicians feel bad about it. It's like, mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to like, take a deep breath and say yeah. like, you know what? Keep forging the path that, because we did this crazy thing to our lives, which is try to pursue a career in music mm-hmm. to experience joy. So yeah. I try to remind everybody, like, why did you do this? If you're, if you're going to worry about numbers, metrics, money, like you can get a law degree and worry about those things too. Like we did this to ourselves, to ourselves, <laughs> to have a happy life. I'm very happy in this yeah. in this industry, as crazy as it is. But yeah. I think the only way to be happy is to be yourself and not chase like a thing that you think might be successful. You yeah. know. Now, having said that, I think people should be aware of how Instagram functions in our in our business, which is basically mm-hmm. a, a website. You know, so right. if people are worried about Instagram, I said, well, you don't have to have a lot of followers. I don't, you know, you don't have to post shred videos. But what you, what I would encourage people to think about is, people are going to check you out. Have things on there that you want to represent you. So, mm. if, you know, if you want to be playing a certain type of music or he thought of as a certain musician, people are going to say, hey, check out my my buddy Eric for this gig. You know, he's great. The first thing they're going to do is look you up on Instagram. Right. So it doesn't mean you have to have a fancy Instagram, but it means you should be aware that singers, employers, managers are going to be looking at that and saying, oh, what's this person's deal? Mm-hmm. So you have control over what is on there and it can speak about who you are. And that, that's the only thing. Yeah, I don't think it has to be fancy, but it's just you should be aware people are, are looking and making judgments about like what kind of musician and person this person is. Yeah. Like like it or not, I don't like it, but that is what is happening. So, you know. I mean, at the same time, like you said, though, you have control over it. So that's a great thing. Sure. You know? Yeah. Even beyond like, you know, before all that, you, you, you're dealing with what everyone, you know, you would have a reputation in town and you would get recommended and, you know, you'd have a demo, probably whatever, but not as much control over what someone else says of, about you as what you can demonstrate now. And I don't even have to ask anybody else. I can kind of go to your thing and be, yeah, and get it, you know? And I had a cool experience with that recently where I've been releasing like my own instrumental music, like mm. original, and it doesn't like do that well. You know, like if I post a, <laughs> if I post a lick of me like, doing a wild guitar thing or like covering a pop song, it'll get more views. When I'm, when I'm like, Hey, here's this song, this beautiful song I'm really proud of. Like, it's like, way less you know mm-hmm. but i've had an experience recently where like pe- people have reached out for gigs that i was ex- were excited about because they want someone to the, you know that played acoustic guitar this specific way that i like to you know right and they said man we we checked out your page and like man the, the way you play acoustic guitar is perfect for 
this. So I'm like, oh, what? I was judging this numbers, but actually I'm putting out something into the universe that's like, this is exactly how I love to play music. And then people have found that and say, hey, can you come do that over here, you know, with us? So great. Which is like, oh, that's a bigger win to me than, you know, X number of plays on Spotify or whatever, you know. Although one of your tracks does have 53,443 streams. So you say that, but I don't have those numbers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i don't know how that one happened because that's a most of them are like nothing you know yeah well another one had like 7800 which you know not a lot compared to sure. mariah carey but yeah. uh you know you know for someone putting out their own music you know a couple of these tracks have hit and is that was that like a licensing thing that maybe happened or like it one of them the i think the one that had more it was a cover and it like found its way onto like a playlist or something like i, I don't really even know how it oh, works got you. and um yeah that that's a cool yeah i've been putting out this instrumental music and not like i, I really enjoy making it and um, not a ton of people but then that one kind of found its way and it doesn't it doesn't translate into like oh i can go like sell gig like play gigs and sell tickets it's just right. fine that people listen right. to it while they're like making coffee or something you know <laughs> which i think spotify has turned us into like the highest musical achievement is people put this on while they're doing yeah. yoga and like right. don't even care who made it i'm like i don't even know if i want to chase that you know <laughs> but um the cool thing that happened is somebody from sweden found it and then he makes his own playlist he put one of the songs on his playlist and it got like you know that's probably the one that had like seven thousand or something like mm-hmm. that but then he wrote me on Instagram and said, I really like your music, you know, and, That's cool. and can you check out, I have a playlist I put, and I said, well, your music sounds good too. I heard his band and it was during COVID. I didn't have anything to do. And he's like a composer from Sweden. His name's Johan. And um, he said, you want to make a, a record together? I oh, said, That's sure. cool. So we made one together and now I have a friend in Sweden. So wow. like it kind of goes back to what I'm saying about, we can look all day at like numbers and numbers, but mm. now I've like made a friend who likes the same kind of music as me, plays this, he played Dobro, which is like, how did you even find out about Dobro in Sweden? <laughs> which of course, uh, with the internet, uh, you know, but but yeah, it's... um, Yeah, it's known as a Dobro free zone. <laughs> exactly. The whole Scandinavia. Scandinavia. I didn't know, right. I thought they were, there was a, right, there was an import. I think that they banned it back in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's it, with good reason. <laughs> Have you heard that thing? <laughs> yeah, especially when you're learning, it's it can... It can uh, clear a building, you know? Right. Well, your music is unbelievable. It's so cool and, and, and so like different than your career path, you know, which we'll kind of, we haven't even touched on yet, but sure. um, it's, it's a really interesting listen, you know what I mean? Cause you wouldn't expect that from Megan Trainer's MD sure. or, you know, sure. uh, Selena Gomez or, you know, now, I don't know if we, we we're even allowed to talk about Casey Musgraves. I mean, you've sure. been on TV now. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> your latest gig, your latest two gigs, Dwight Yoakam. Now you're starting to move towards what I would expect to hear from your instrumental stuff, which must be pretty cool. But um, but just we'll get get to all that. But just your music, though, I I did really really enjoy it. It was so cool. Thank you. And when you started to make soul records, so you have like a whole record and then a couple of EPs. Is that? Yeah, the situation. I think so. I that's just, what I found. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I'm. What that is, I made a record. Whatever, I don't even remember what year that was. Maybe it was like six years ago, five years ago. You know, mm-hmm. and I said no one listens. You know, so I put all this energy into like mixing ten songs. It's like just 
make four and put it out. Like yeah. no one's, my mom might listen to the whole thing. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's to be honest about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I made a record and then I just kind of do little projects and I've, I have a bunch in the works right now. I have a cello player friend and we're doing cello pedal steel duets, just like meet people who I, who I admire and, and like, and, you know, we just collaborate. And instead of like, Hey, can we make this big record? It's like, let's do two songs, no, throw yeah, it up. Yeah. Let's do four songs. And, and write some songs and just like with a friend from Sweden. So that's been more of my thing now of like meeting people whose voices I like collaborating and, and having a good time. That's yeah. cool. And you're doing it just for pure joy and, or, or do you have like licensing stuff that, cause it sounds like perfect for any kind of, it just sounds like perfect TV, you know, movie. I would love that. And I haven't had success pursuing that, but I get that comment a lot. Like, do you yeah. score films? Do you, and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't even know who to talk to, but got you, got you. Um, I think at some point I might see about the licensing, but more it's an outlet. And yeah. um, I think it's important, you know, that's, yeah. it's something I talk about a lot. Like, it, I don't know how it is now. It seems like people are so like, the kids graduating now are so like, they, they're they're good at like promoting their own like brand. I'm making a yeah. quotes in the air brands, you know, <laughs> which is great. But like, I think when I was coming up, there was such a like, you're a side man don't ever like like talk about your own music mm. like it's like such a taboo you right. know interesting and, and um so i've lived in that for a long time and i noticed that i would get frustrated on gigs if the artist had a different idea like, like if they didn't like my ideas as mm. an md you right. know i'd be like oh i have this great idea for the it's like no i want to do this and i would like feel frustrated you mm. know but it's mm-hmm. like, it's their show. I'm here, you know, I'm right. here, you're here to serve someone else's vision. Right. And um, look, why am I getting frustrated? It's like, well, I don't make my own music, you know? So right. getting back to what I was talking about, of being, being connected to why you play guitar in the first place. Like how beautiful, I have a, a studio I can record at home and a place that I don't need any distributor to just put out whatever I could put, make whatever I want. I could smash a guitar with a microphone and put it out. If that's how I'm feeling today, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. or I could make exactly the music that's in my head. And when I started doing that, I think I got so much better as a sideman MD. Cause then I could just, I had this calmness, like, right. here's an idea. Well, I don't like that idea. Okay. What do you, you know, mm. or I really like that idea. Great. Okay. Or no, I don't really like that, but how about this? Okay, great. Let's do that. Like I really had no ego right. at stake because I started doing live gigs. I started making my own music. And I thought that was just, it, that was f- fulfilled for me. And then mm-hmm. MDing or gigging became like, let me make the artist's vision. Because now I have empathy. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. man, it's hard to make a record. It's hard to do a live show. And like, yeah. as yourself. Right. So how do we support yeah. them? This is their record now. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was helpful. Well, I think it's it's unbelievably beautiful stuff. And it's so interesting because like, it's, instrumental kind of with traditional more like country instruments but the changes are not country you know it's like with like some pretty deep changes you know Uh, the melodies are definitely not you know country it it makes for a real interesting listen for me but the flavors are still there that's why i think it would be so great for us for any kind of tv stuff or film because it's got its own kind of vibe but you still feel familiar in it you know what i mean if you're a if you're like a Ry Cooter fan or like, you know, any, any sort of more traditional thing with the Dobros and the pedal steels and like all that stuff. Sure. Um, sure. But it's still to me, if you, if you're also sort of a music head, you're not bored. Oh, that's, <laughs> you know well, what I mean? well, thank you. I think that's a conglomeration of just me, like, you know, 
as like a kid who was taking the Beethoven string quartets. And not that I can write classical at all, but like there's so much stuff that I love to listen to. I think when I sit down to make music, it's exactly it's like I love pedal steels, I love banjos, I love traditional folk music, but I love harmony that moves this way. It's just kind of yeah. I think that's just everything that's put in the soup of my experience with music, which is that to me is the best part about making music is you just take everything you've listened to and see how it kind of falls out of you. Right, you know? right. I also love that you have the kind of the journey of your melodies in a way. You know, that's kind of what I dig too. It's like it goes places that you don't like, oh, that's a different, I didn't expect it to turn that corner, wow. you know? Well, thank so, you. I was, I, I didn't even realize we'd be talking about this. So oh, I, I appreciate well, it. <laughs> I, if you don't mind, I'd love to play some of it. Of course. You know, I don't, you know, don't sue me or anything. No, it's fine. You know. Seasons. Did you? Um, did you? That, that's the name of your 2020 EP. Did you write that stuff during COVID, or was that a pro- product of yeah. having nothing else to do? No, it's um, not that it sounds like. Oh, I'm bored. <laughs> Let's make music. No, that was. Um, so I, I live in the valley, like you, and um, I met a wonderful bass player named Jen Condos, who um, I I was doing like a perch gig with her, and she was just around the scene, and I'd go see her bands play, and I, and. Um, we realized we lived down the street from each other and she hiked Fryman Canyon all the time. So we would just started hiking, became friends. She said, do you write music? You know, I said, yeah. Well, she said, well, send me something. And, and so I sent her a voice memo of an A section and she sent me an A section. Oh, cool. And then she finished the B section and I finished the B section from hers. And we kind of did that for a little bit, which we had, I think two of the tunes came from that. And then I had two other ones that I was messing around with and recorded it during COVID and all the acoustics and steel. And then I sent it to Jen and said, hey, you want to play bass on your songs? And she says, well, yeah, I'm actually, and she's married to Jay Belarus, who's oh, one of the greatest drummers. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal drummer. We have a tradition on this podcast. Every time you mention somebody, he's a phenomenal musician, phenomenal drummer. <laughs> <laughs> he truly, yeah, oh yeah. Truly world-class. So yeah. she said, well, you know, if me and Jay are set up. You mind if Jay plays? I said, do, you, do I mind if Jay Bellarose plays? Of course not. <laughs> so um, I had laid down all these acoustics and pedal steel and just kind of sent it off and wasn't really sure. And hadn't had a lot of drums on my music, but it was Jay. So it's like, of course I want to hear this. I was just wildly impressed by how, you know, usually I'll get tracks from people and, you know, it's done in their studio and, okay, you load it in. You're like, all right, cool. And you start compressing things, EQ Put some right. reverb on you're like, oh, all right, here we go. You know, mm-hmm. I just remember opening my email the first time and downloading the files, loading it and pushing play. And it just I was like, this sounds like a record. Yeah. Like just like they really mm-hmm. and um I'll tell a funny story about that actually. I sent one over, it was like the third song we were working on. 
you know, and again, this is my record. It wasn't, you know, right. And, uh, I was, I had these new headphones that sounded really good, but they were open ears, you know, the, or the whatever, like not the closed ones. Uh-huh. And there was a little bit of click bleed. I mean, you could mm-hmm. barely hear it. You had to turn it up. And I said it and Jen calls, okay, you know, you can hear some click. You don't want that on your records. So, you know, just recut that and send it back. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, we take, we take it really, we take the tones really seriously here. So like, you know, yeah, just, yeah fix that and send it back you know and i, and I really appreciated that mm-hmm. even though oh you know and you get that when, when you get files from them it's just like wow yeah. this is this is really they're not just throwing up mics and st- like yeah. they really care about it and it was just you know it was a pleasure to well and it, i think that's the competitive edge now because everyone's got mics and everyone's like, i got a set of drums right here yeah. you know but um i experienced the same thing i have a few different people that i get drums tracks from and it's like sometimes you open it up and it's done yeah. And like, whew, yeah, that's amazing. And that's kind of a little how it should be, I think, you know, in a way. I mean, it depends on what you want, because if you're a person who's an engineering type, you don't want a lot of decisions made for you. Sure. You know, sure. But if you're hiring the right drummer for the right song and he knows what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. Please. The, the more time you can save me. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. You're tr- you don't want to edit drums all day. You oh, know? No. That's it's horrible. Yeah, that's, that's really <laughs> worth talking about. People ask, like, how do I record more? And, like, to me, mm-hmm. the two things are, like, s- sounding really good. Like, record capturing your own things and having it sound really good and and creative choices. You know, right. if, you, if there's a drummer and every time you get something back, it's like, I have to EQ the hell out of it. And I have to copy and paste, like, chop up the snare drum and move it back two beats because I don't really like this part. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a pain. I just yeah. program it. But if 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 someone can bring a collaborative, like, okay, I call this person and now the song is better. Right, exactly. That, that is really... I mean, that's the only reason to do it because I've got a box full of incredible samples exactly. and I'm a pretty darn good programmer. There you go, <laughs> you know? right? But I, want, I need a little more human vibe and human feel and maybe I want someone else's take on it. Yeah. Um, but if it's not right... It's not worth it, you know, because yeah. ultimately even the best tracks, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but even the best tracks I've ever received are really going to require some sort of work. Of course. Versus ocean way samples, you know, <laughs> yeah. that require no work. They just sound <laughs> awesome, you know. Right. So what would you tell someone that said, Eric, you know, I'm gigging, but I want to record more, you know, for that. What, what would I need to work on? You know? Yeah. That, well, would... I think just that. I think yeah. that's that's the thing, like the tones. Yeah. Because I can call you back and say, you know what? I need a yeah, and you can go do that. Yeah, but and you know that'll take me no time. <laughs> Maybe you're gonna have to recut the song, but if you're already set up and you got your thing, that's the other thing: efficiency. Sure. You know, be able to be get that call, send you a track that afternoon if if you're available. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the less I have to do with it, yeah, the better. <laughs> and you know something I've noticed too with these with folks like Jay who are on that level, you know they have records on all day yeah he's got a record player it's a record and side a and then it's side b and then it's and then there's another one and that's and i I think people who are really good at recording almost always that i've met who are really good they just you know what we're talking about drums you know they'll be like oh the this band from the 72 and how they did the snare that and they, they really understand and have digested the landscape of popular music mm-hmm. from how the Beatles record drums to how Led Zeppelin does it to right. how television does it or 
X or you yeah. know Willie Nelson, and they really get rather than like here I I practice with a metronome for twenty years. Hire me. It's like yeah, okay, that's great. And you just mentioned creative choices, and I'm like, how often do I need creative choices? Really, what I need you to know is what a yacht rock sound sounds like. Sure, you know what I mean, yeah. and capture those tones and those. And sometimes those don't even have fills. I just need cymbal crashes on the chorus. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've got a, a drum loop and I just need some humanness to it. Yeah. I don't want flash. I don't want creativity. I just need your feel. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and so much, it's more often that than, than, ooh, I've got this killer progressive rock fusion song. Can you, you know, yeah. show me all your chops, you know? And that's something I think is missing from music school, you know? Yeah. And in some places sure. might have it, but I think if you're going to really get a music education and it's great to be able to, you should be heavy and be able to read and be able to play in, you know, different time signatures and different keys, of course, you know, but I think it would really behoove a lot of young people to just digest how things are recorded. Right. From Elvis Presley to Count Basie, you know, to mm -hmm. punk rock and yeah. Gang of Four and like, like yeah. just digest as much on your instrument as you can about like, here's what the Beatles were doing. Here's why yeah. it sounds like that. I mm -hmm. think a lot of people that are graduating from music school are missing that element. And a lot of people who are really, really good and really working out here and blowing me away with like what they can do to a track have like that, like, oh, the guitars from, you know, the Eurythmics. It's like that they did this interesting thing with this and the right. Diot, you know? Yeah, it's super nerdy. Yeah, and you can read about, it's all out there. Like, like <laughs> yeah, that information, right. is, none of it's a secret. Yeah. It's just hard to like, where do I start? It's like, yeah. just read those Beatles. And that's books. the thing, what I need you to do is recreate a two grand a day studio. I need it to sound as good as Capitol Records. Sure. You know, can you do that at your house? Yeah. You know, and a lot of times, all it takes is the right plugins, but you've got to know what that sounds like. You've got to know what you're listening for. You've got to know yeah. that. Exactly. You know, because if you want to compete, if you want to record more, yeah. quotes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And how to, right? Like, I mean, just acoustic guitar recording, you know, like we're talking a lot. Yeah. My stuff is really bluegrassy, but like mm -hmm. that's a really specific right hand thing. That is not how you would attack the guitar to play like Tom Petty. Really. Right. It's like, it's much more like, bass note heavy boom but like if you're playing free fallen or like the jangly it like your right hand is going to be doing something completely different and it's not that hard to understand the difference i think just a lot of energy is like oh i can play this hip instead of g7 i'm going to do this right. substitution which is cool but like yeah i think time i would encourage up and coming musicians to spend a lot of time on what we're talking about like the right yeah. choices to make a sound yeah. appropriate for yeah and it's the times we're living in you don't have guys doing three, four hour sessions a day anymore. You yeah. know, Cartage taking their gear to the next studio. It's yeah. not, it's not how it works. You could, you could do 10 songs in a day, but it's going to be from your house. If you got the right, you got to have the right gear. You got to have it all, Yeah, you know, happening. Yeah. That's interesting. And so do you record all the stuff at your house? Yeah. All your solo stuff. I mean, it's amazing. Thank you. I mean, that's, that should be an example of how to correctly record guitars well, and, and how to get tones, you know? Yeah, and it can be, and I'm not like that guy, you know, I think it, people might be hearing this that are like, like, oh, I love playing guitar and might like, hopefully it's not discouraging. Like you don't have to own Oceanway now. You, like I, I have two inputs at my house. You know, I have a, like a two mic pre's mm -hmm. and I record, I, I've figured out how to record good sounding acoustic guitars, electric guitars. 
pedal steel and like banjos you know like mm -hmm. it's like it's mostly acoustic and then like steel recording so right and then you send it to a drummer who you as you know you have friends who do it right and mm -hmm. then you can make yeah. a record that way or yeah. go you know sure. you need to go to a studio for a day or two and but yeah you don't need to own east west studios you need to figure out how to record your instrument yeah well. yeah and that's interesting too i mean for a bass player too it's like <laughs> have yeah. good gear and good basses and it's so much easier for someone who's a multi-instrumentalist there's a little more stuff involved obviously but at the same time it's kind of simple you know you you and this is what you offer it's almost like you're creating your own niche in a way too it's like the acoustic guitars are great from you that's what people are going to go to exactly you, know? you just do what you do yeah and do it well and that goes back to our thing of like oh i got my friend on instagram he said in the beginning who's like oh, all these hot licks and like I think having comfort, it, it takes a while. It took me grow, getting older. Of just being, someone calls you for something like, oh, I really need these Eddie Van Halen guitars, you know? Yeah. And like when I was 20, I was like, I have to do everything. And yeah. When I get that phone call now, I say, hey, you should, here's, here's my buddy you should call. Right. I don't yeah. want to take your money and give you mediocre Eddie Van Halen guitars. Right. I'd rather give you something really good. And that's not, call this guy. He's great at that. Mm -hmm. she, she's great at that. You know, yeah. like so. I think yeah. that's, you don't have to be the greatest person at every single thing ever under the sun. I, right. You know. Well, the, the reality is you probably won't be. Right. You want to be great. So as a live player, it's a different situation because, you know, I've, I've done a lot of weddings and, and, you know, I've done a lot of different gigs. I've played, I was a smooth jazz guy. Now I'm yeah. a country guy. I've been a rock guy. And Pretty uh, amazing. Latin music, You're... El Chicano, I played with them for a while. And like, so as a live guy, you need to, you know, yeah, it's not like recording right? when you live in LA and there's guys that really do that Van Halen thing. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and not only that, it, it's a great sort of networking situation too, because you've just sent this guy some work Yeah, and he's going to feel good about returning the favor. Next time someone says, I need a great dough, bro. Yeah. And they're like, don't go to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and you're totally correct with the live thing. Like, if you're going to go on tour, you should be able to pull out of yeah. your hat some sort of Van Halen e thing, right. That works for the show, you know, yeah. for for the the 16 bars that they need that, for. right? And then if they need someone doing that all night, you know, you might be like, okay, you know, call call my buddy Adam or something, right? You know, like, yeah. But, well, um, you know, records last forever. Yeah, it's a different way of playing. It's sure. a different outcome that's expected. A different result, you know. Yeah, live, it's like. It goes by and people are like, yeah, that sounded like Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> but that record, they're going to go back and go, that didn't quite, and they can go back and, well, that doesn't quite, well, that, you know. <laughs> I don't My know. nightmare. Not that you're, you're yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, the, the wow. funny thing is they don't have to do it because we'll be doing that to ourselves anyway. Be like, that, yeah. the, I suck. Oh, this yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like, have you ever gotten bad comments on YouTube? I'm like, I do that in my own head. I don't. <laughs> Well, don't yeah. need to go hear someone else say it. <laughs> yeah, they don't know near as much about music as I do. Right. And it's not going to be nearly as mean as what I'm saying about myself. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's not, it's not that shocking <laughs> to me. You know? Yeah, absolutely.
I was also impressed by your titling. Oh, thank you. The Sophistries of June. Oh, yeah. That's a great title. That's the Emily Dickinson poem. I had to look up, look it up what it meant. Oh, what did, it, what did you find? <laughs> uh, oh, well, I actually even wrote it. Use of a fallacious argument. Oh. But then I thought sophists, and you know where I learned about sophism was in my philosophy class at Berkeley. There so you I'm go. like, wait, I do know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, it's an Emily Dickinson poem. I was just reading oh. at the time, and it's about how summer's lying. See, I didn't you. know that. Yeah. Oh, it's it's all about summer's like a lie. Like you're out there and you're enjoying the birds are there and it's warm, but like it's this is going away soon. So oh, that's, that's kind so of cool. that's kind of um, you know, I, and that the was, steel playing is that you played the steel that, on that? That's Rich Hinman. Oh man, it's fun. Yeah, he's sorry, you're good too. Oh uh, no, no, he's uh, <laughs> Rich is one of the best, you know, out there yeah. and um. I played on all the other songs I've done except for this one. I just was, I started playing it and I said, you know, and I, me and Rich were, he moved to Boston and we were talking a lot on the phone and I was just sat down to play the money. I was like, you know, Rich, we had played it live. We started doing live gigs together. And I said, you know, I just loved how you played this one live. Could you, would you mind? And he graciously, you know, record, recorded on it. And he's just, that's I cool. Mean, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Other title that I thought was really interesting, and I wrote it down. And then you already brought it up: "Slow and Steady Wins the Race." Oh, sure. That's my grandma. Always, she always said that. You know, yeah. and she just said, and she could to me specific, specifically. She's like, just keep doing what you're doing, slow and steady. Yeah. And I was a young kid, you know, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I think that's that's been my experience in the music industry. The more I, the more I compare myself to other people and what they're doing, the more I'm not enjoying my career. Yeah. And the more I say, this right. is what I enjoy, and this is what I just kind of walk your own path. Yeah, You might be 22 and getting all the gigs, or you might be 23 and driving Uber, and it's all okay. I have friends that were driving Uber in their 30s and then got great gigs. You know, right. it's like, yeah, it's there's not one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you like to hang out and talk about music or discuss something you've heard on the podcast? How about learning some new techniques on the bass? Do you have a new song and would like some feedback from an experienced and professional songwriter? 
You can do all of that and more at golive.ly. I'm offering private bass lessons and songwriting feedback in a private setting over Zoom. Just search for me, Eric Baines, at golive.ly, pick a date and time, and schedule a lesson. It's that easy. I can teach you advanced bass techniques, music theory, improvisation, or we can talk about how to prepare for a gig, the best thing to wear to an audition, or the most important things to know about living on a tour bus. If you have a new song that isn't quite working, and you need some feedback from someone who's written and co-written hundreds of songs for artists, TV, film, and video games, I can help you with that too. All skill levels are welcome. Search for Eric Baines at golive.ly, G-O-L-I-V-E dot L-Y. And I can't wait to meet you. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road. Uh or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast, all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. So you got out of Berkeley. What made you choose this beautiful town of Los Angeles? Uh, my brother lived out here ah. and I was kind of lost. I went back to Baltimore and I didn't really know what exactly to do. And I know I didn't want to like move to New York and like fight like the knife fight of like jazz right. gigs. And the, I just I was like, I don't want to do that. And, and what's this, is there a scene in Baltimore? And there, I mean, DC is right there. That's kind of. Yeah, there it's actually was interesting where I grew up um, was kind of 10 minutes outside of the city. So we were really close to that and there was there was there was like a, a rock scene there like a recording studio and stuff mm. like that and then there was like a kind of a church funk music scene and um interesting and there was like hip-hop stuff going on that i wasn't involved in but um and then there was a bluegrass scene and because oh. i was where i lived it was actually kind of like close to a lot of farms and there was a really great uh bluegrass band from maryland called seldom scene and um, that's how I learned Dobro. There was a legendary Dobro player that lived like close to where I was. And, mm. you know, that was so being exposed to all that in Baltimore was cool. But um, to make a, a living for me, I could I didn't really see much of a path at that point. Um, right. Right. I, I asked my high school band teacher, who was great, named Mr. New. I said, I want to teach. He says, don't do that yet. He's like, just come back in 20 years. You got to go out and get some stuff to teach people. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right. He just go out there, travel the world, get sick of it, get your ass kicked and learn yeah. some stuff and and then yeah. come back and you'll probably enjoy teaching a lot more, which I think probably is in my future, I hope, you know. Mm-hmm. You have a great story about coming out, speaking of teaching, when you got to LA to get guitar students. Oh, sure. You went to Guitar Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got here, you know, I saved up what I thought was a lot of money mm. and, and it turns out it's not a lot of money. <laughs> Because security is Los Angeles. It's Los Angeles and, you know, lamps and rugs and security deposit. It's just, what a nightmare. But you had those when you first moved in? (laughs) (laughs) I was, you know, I was looking at buying those, you know, I thought, (laughs) I really need to work. Um, And yeah, just kind of didn't really know what, I applied for a job at um, like Barnes and Noble and like didn't hear back. You know, I just like, Mm. what would I do here? (laughs) And um, uh, I said, well, I could teach guitar lessons. So I went to Guitar Center. 
I had an envelope of business cards at that time. For kids that don't know what that is, that's a card that has your phone number on it. You know, <laughs> Right. You they know, have those just, anymore. <laughs> I'm not sure if they make them anymore. So, it just has a YouTube channel on it. Right. <laughs> so I had a bunch of my business cards and I put a $40 bill in the envelope. And I walked into the guitar center and said, who works here? six days a week seven days a week who sells guitars they said that guy you know mm-hmm. so well, i said hi i'm drew it's so nice to meet you i teach when you sell guitars if you wouldn't mind giving one of these out especially to beginners you know and there's you know there's 40 dollars in there and i said i'll be back next month with another envelope if, if you give me some. that's awesome <laughs> and i've got a bunch of students and was able to make a living the first year i was out here and i tell that story to people to illustrate how la can treat you it's it's a really challenging city to move to. And I think I wasn't a very hustly type of business person. I just wasn't. But necessity mm-hmm. made me think about those things. And I, I say, that story really taught me, like, you can be really good and be in your apartment alone. You have to do something, whether it's bribe a guy at Guitar Center for right. lessons, which probably wouldn't work these days, you know. <laughs> but like, um, or or whether it's teachers or getting gigs, you have to take it upon yourself to get out of your home and make something happen for you somehow. And that is a good thing to think about for people who might want to do this. Like people might do it a lot more on the internet now, but it's, it just, it doesn't happen just from you just being good at music. You have to have some kind of ingenuity or some kind of a a way without seeming like, like a complete dickhead hustler somehow, (laughs) you know? So that's, that's what that story is about. Yeah. 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 And you came out here and, I, I don't know. You t- I also heard a story about Barry Squire and how, y- y- you know, he's a guy who puts together bands for people. And he, I, you know, that you hear that name when you, when you move out here, Oh, you gotta go Barry Squire. Yeah. And you got to know Barry Squire and yep. auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and auditioned. And yeah, that was the process that, you know, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you too. So yeah, I moved out here. Um, the, the, the big part of that I should mention is my older brother, had done this. He played in Avril Lavigne's band and then he oh, wasn't doing it anymore. Gotcha. He like moved on to producing and, and he was song and now he works in the business side. But at that point he was like running sessions with all these guys. Mm. And that was my really big education to what I was kind of talking about earlier of things missing from like I was out there playing like Donna Lee or whatever right. on my strat. And like <laughs> my brother was really like, okay, you know, and then I was hearing they were like in the same place, like recording. And I was like, oh, that's, I, I wouldn't know how to play that kind of part on that. So I was always hanging out with those guys. Oh, cool. And just kind of learning. And, and you know, they'd be like, those jeans aren't really like, you know, you look like a college kid. Like you gotta maybe yeah. buy these ones. You know, it was right. just, it was what an education. And yeah. like, that's not how you play like on a rock song, you know? Right. So I just really soaked that up. And I heard them talking about the gigs and it's like, oh, you gotta call Barry Squire. He put together auditions and I knew he's running a business, you know, so mm-hmm. if you show up and you suck, he's never going to call you again. Even if you don't right. get the gig, you have to represent his business well, you know, right. so I really, anytime he called me, I really learned the material really well. Mm-hmm. He'd always call me afterwards, say, hey, they, they called somebody else, you know, they, they thought his jeans were cooler. They, like, <laughs> that, the feedback I got a lot at the beginning from mm-hmm. people aren't, I'm kind of like a nerdy looking dude. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like slash, you know? Right. So. He would always call me with feedback and say, like, you sounded great. They thought you were one of the better players. But, like, you know, this, like, stylistically, it wasn't really a fit. I got that feedback a lot from him. But he would always call me to audition because I make him look okay as far as, like, 
if if he, if someone's paying him and a bunch of bozos show up that don't know the music, that doesn't. So he, I got a lot of auditions through him, and a, a lot of failure because it was and a lot of that like you're not right for the gig or stylistically it didn't really you know mm-hmm. pan out or they wanted a guy with tattoos and I just had to keep. I'm like I'm not going to go get tattoos and be slat. It's just not me. Right. Right. And it was that experience led me to an audition for Demi Lovato. And it was like, nobody knew who she was. Like my brother's friends didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, this new Disney. And they were the kind of like the clean cut kind of nerdy kid, like fit, you know? So, and I was, I didn't drink a lot at the time. And like, I think that was like, they didn't, they just didn't really want party. Right. Like rock kids, you know, Mm -hmm. they wanted like, Someone's going to be reliable on the road, and and like I think the clean cut kind of like nerdy look worked. Right. So yeah, I just look like what we're talking about. Just I just kind of went failed audition, failed audition. You're not right. You're not right. You're not right. And then I found a thing. It's like oh yeah, nerdy dude with glasses that like learned the songs. Right. And the guy said he's like you're the only one that like like that second song had a capo on it. Like you're the only one that brought a capo. I'm like <laughs> how is that possible? I don't know. But um, interesting. Um, I don't know if that's true, but but it. Yeah, so that like, well, I think the interesting part about a gig like that, and maybe this was a phase, and I don't know, we'll talk about it because now you have become like kind of a go-to musical director. You've kind of become a Barry Squire sure. in this town. Um, but there was this time when I first got here, especially like where it's more like casting than it was an, a musical audition. Sure, you know, so yeah. I could see how guys don't even, you know, capo is not the most important. It was the jeans, you yeah. know, and it was the haircut. And like, that's what was getting gigs, you know, and I was a pretty straightforward, nerdy looking white guy too, you know, like, you know, so um, there were gigs I just wasn't going to get, you know. Sure. Um, and it's funny because I've talked about it on other shows, but it's like I went down to Melrose and spent a thousand bucks on on clothes one time and doors just opened up you know? like the <laughs> next thing you know i'm on the road doing an arena tour you know like literally yeah. um but um that's part of it i guess you know and it's part of it and eventually you found your place with your look exactly you know and you found the thing to you have to look like you're on stage at, at a performance in some way for me it wasn't getting tattoos and growing my hair out it was like right i kind of and it's funny when when the like the kind of Amy Winehouse thing started. I kind of fit in with like, I was like glasses guy with the top hat, like it worked. Right. <laughs> but like, I think people and myself included had a, a lot of trouble with this idea of like, I, you know, I practice, I practice. And like, yeah. I'd say go watch all your, fa- watch Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock. You right. know, it's like a, he's like, it's a full on costume mm-hmm. and Led Zeppelin and all these things that we love and consider great music. You know, if you go to the 55 bar in New York, it's like a bunch of guys dressed like they're at Target. And that's right. like, and it, and I don't care. I go and I just close my eyes and love the music. It's right. amazing. Right. But if you're talking about like popular tours, style has always been, a, it's not, this isn't Big like time. a, this isn't a thing that was invented in Los Angeles in right. 2006. It's right. like, <laughs> like watch Woodstock videos. Yeah. It's watch the Beatles, you know. Yeah. Watch, it's show business. It's not music business. It's really, show business. You know? <laughs> yeah, Miles and all those guys and culture, they wore suits. It's not songs. playing business. Right. It's show business. Yeah. Exactly. So I think like understanding that landscape is important. Not that style is so, so important about who you are. I don't, I think for me and you, we don't really, but like, yeah, that trip to the store when I moved to LA was like unfortunately part of it. And like, yeah. I didn't do it 
just like you. And then like six months into that, after I did it, it's like, oh, here's gigs all of a right. sudden. And yeah. like, I, I almost hate it, but it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say that playing isn't important either. Of I mean, it, it is, I, I do think that it's, well, I also came from a jazz place where you lead with your playing. Yeah. Like that's all that mattered. Yeah. And then when you had a cool outfit on, oh man, now you're getting gigs, but you can't not play. You know what I mean? Oh, no question. No <laughs> yeah. question. So it's not about, you know, keep practicing, but then just go spend some money on some clothes. You'll, you'll be shocked at how much, how far that'll get you. Exactly. In Los Angeles in particular too. It's yeah. like a, it's a movie town, really. It's a TV town. Like people listen with their eyes. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's it really makes a difference. And so how did that lead to your first like MD gig? That's a great question. That's so there's, I think you may have even had him on the show, but Lauren Gold yeah. was the MD of Demi at that point. And oh, it was like a big you. mentor of mine. Mm. You know, I really just like learned, I mean, just he's amazing, you know, mm, and I was yeah. 23 and just like learned a lot from him and he put the show together and he, I think he got the gig for like the who, like during, like in between our first and second, he just got really busy. Got you. And I, and I think, you know, I did have a, a music education. I think the people, the management maybe could see that like when something was amiss on stage, I could maybe hear what was happening, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, couldn't do this set. He wasn't really around a lot for like, hey, they're doing a TV show. And he'd be like, oh, I'm busy with, you know, the who or whatever crazy right. thing he was doing. So he said kind of like, you know, let let Taubenfeld be in charge. Like he seems to know out, out of those other 23-year-old idiots, he seems to be the, <laughs> the least idiot over there. Or something, you know, whatever he said. Right? Right. And um, and he said, you know, just just let Drew take 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 the reins. And we did a couple of TV shows and it went okay. And then it was all of a sudden, here's an arena tour. Like, Drew, you're in charge. And I was like, what's a music director? It's like, the, <laughs> you know, it's the, they say every career has, you know, you, know, you, you, you get on a podcast, talk about how great you, you, you know, you know, oh, I practice so hard, but there's always luck, you know, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to be lucky. And that was really lucky, you know, mm -hmm. and the points of luck there were nobody had heard of that singer at the time. And I, you know, I got to join her band and then she, her mm -hmm. career took off. Yeah. And then Lauren, bestowed you know, the md thing on me and and right. it got me like a ton of like really high pressure experience like really early in my career and nice. it was really really good for me you know yeah and then once you you've got that on your resume yeah it sort of leads to the next someone said hey, yeah, i saw Selena that show Gomez and and so many people the list is long uh megan trainer and yeah just kind of i learned this like trade of like putting shows together and like the tr tracks and all that stuff and then yeah some i got off tour and you know, you sit around for six months. Like, when am I going to gig again? And the phone rings. Hey, yeah. we, we like what you did with that. Can you, can you come do this one? And it just built on itself. Very, very lucky, you know? Yeah. And were you in the band every time you did that? Or was there also situations where you were just musical director and you put together the band and said, okay, go on tour. And then we'll... That started maybe six, seven years ago. I was usually just like one gig would come and I would be in the band, play guitar and be the music director. And then... For the first time, I think I was out with Selena Gomez at the time. Like, I got a call for another good gig. And I said, well, what do I do? You know, mm -hmm. do I pass this up? And I was home for like four weeks in between tours. And I said, you know what? And I pitched it to them. I said, can I hire the band, do the arrangements, do the song? I'll do, I'll do the month of rehearsal. And then I'll, I'll, one of the bass players will be the band leader. And he can take it on the road and look after it. And they said, great. And I did that. And it went, went well. Mm -hmm. And then another phone call came, you know, it just enough came that I said, well, I can't just 
do this, be the touring guy. I actually stopped touring a couple of years ago just because enough of that. And oh. started a company called Direction Music with a few other MDs. And, and we just kind of started putting shows together、um, that we weren't playing in as well, which was really, you know, a big step. Yeah. And did you prefer that or? It's, it's, a, it's a great question. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's pros and cons to either side, you know, and maybe balance is the key on all that. I don't know. Exactly. I、yeah. think, I think it, it's sort of, that's another interesting thing in the music business. I think in America, we think so much of like promotions, like the next, you know, I got this job at the mailroom and then I'm the secretary、right. and then I'm the. So I think a lot of people can think in like, okay, I'm a guitar player. Got to be the MD, and then I got to be stay at home MD, and then I got to be producer, right? But those things don't necessarily have anything to do with why you like playing music, right? Right. There's something called the Peter Principle that, like, you always get promoted to the job right above wh- where you have most joy.、Oh. You're like an electrician and you're really good at it. And、mm. you, so you put a lot of work into this. And they're like, great, you're. Now you're the foreman and you're managing electricians, and you're like,、well, wait a minute. Right. I don't, I have to do these like log papers now. Like, you know,、right. that's、yeah. like a thing.、Mm-hmm. So for me, there was a little bit of that、mm-hmm. where, okay, I love playing guitar. Okay, now I got to get put in charge of the band. Okay, great. Now I'm, okay, now I don't even have to play guitar. And I just put, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I just say I don't have to play guitar? Like, wait, <laughs> how did that, why did I do that to myself? So、right. that, in some ways, it was great. It has been great because you can, Spread out, you're not tied to you know, one artist saying, I don't, I don't like your haircut or I don't like how you play guitar.、Right. We just had a lot going on. So, and staying home, which was really great. But then I did find myself when COVID hit and I had a lot of time to think, I was like, I really miss playing in,、right. in, in bands. I just miss it.、Yeah. You know, that's really, I think I was experiencing a lot of、um, joy from that. So I, I kind of said and put it out there, like, when COVID's done, I'm going to go back on the road. You know, and luckily it happened, you know. Right. So I've been, yeah, I went from road MD to like, I got enough calls to stay at home to like, you know what? Maybe I'll just go back and play in these bands a little bit. <laughs> right. So we'll see where that lands. Yeah. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. And cut to, I mean, I don't quite want to get there. I want to cover some of my、sure, first, but、um, cut to now you're in Dwight Yoakam's band and then you get a call from Casey Musgraves. But, Um, we'll get to that. I wanted to talk about like what kind of a leader you are as a musical director. And are、sure. you the kind of guy that like charts everything out and passes out a book? Or is it here's a CDs, learn the shit? And sure. And,、uh, you know, are you, do you, are you writing interlude music a lot? Or, or are you more of just like you're playing the tunes and, you know, they segue as it goes? Or is it great, great questions? Yeah. This,、uh, so I'll, every once in a while I'll do charts, but it's mostly, You know, you get stems these days. If、mm-hmm. anyone doesn't, you know, it's a breakdown of the album. If, if you don't know what stems are, I'm sure a lot of people do, but you know, it's like, here's the drums alone. And I'll send everyone their parts. Oh, wow. You know, or, or and like make up mixes. So it's like, here's a. Oh, right. Here's a. Some with the bass up. The bass 15 dB louder than everything else. You can hear it. And then here's the bass stem alone. And like, show up to rehearsal. This is like, you should know that. Be ready to do some other stuff. Gotcha. And then, yeah, with the making, like, Like recording my own music so much, it's given me the tools to like make sit down and record musical interludes, intros to the show, all that stuff. Even sometimes arrangements of the songs, you know, at,、um, let's say the last chorus is going to do this and the ha- drums are going to go halftime. You can sketch it out at home, like a, you know, and send it to the band. Or sometimes it's nice if you have really good players to just work it out in rehearsal. So if we're going to do something at the end of the song, let's, let's、right. just see what happens in the room. That can be, that can happen too. But I think giving people as much. Information and as much 
access to stems, you know, before rehearsals will make your job in rehearsals a lot easier because to me, it's wasted time. I say, hey, can you solo that keyboard stem so I can get the actual part? It's like, I could just send you the stem before rehearsal. So we right. don't have to waste 10 minutes getting the exact, you know, thing. Practice at home. Yeah. Exactly. This is a rehearsal. This is rehearsal, <laughs> right. And yeah, and as a leader, I've had to learn a lot about my personality and how that functions and the strengths and weaknesses, you know, accepting. Like, I'm not a very confrontational person. I'm just mm-hmm. like easygoing, you know, right. and like I don't like need to be in arguments ever in my life, you know. Right. But as an MD, you have to tell people when things aren't right or you have to say, I don't like that part. So that is something. Right. That I, it's like an uphill, it's like put, that's a, that's a that requires effort. It's not my mm-hmm. natural state. So I just have to know that about myself, but you still have to do it. You can't stop. You can't say, well, my yeah. personality is non-confrontational. I'm going to let that guy play. Yeah. It's crappy. Hey, that's what he hears, man. He hears. Yeah. You have to crush people's dreams and all right. that stuff. But uh, it's just, I've had to learn that that's, that's actually a battle for me. Right. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also the stakes are high, and that's yeah. what they're hiring you for. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I've been told that I get a lot done while keeping like a really like nice atmosphere, which I that's take cool. like people enjoy the rehearsals, which yeah. which I think I I, I, I mean that's a lot. That's a, that's like a dream, you know what I mean? Yeah. To not have to, you know, is yeah, and I think it encourages people to just be prepared and do their job because they want to please you. Instead of they don't want to get yelled at or something. Sure, you know sure. I mean? uh, yeah, and you have to figure toe that line, you know, and yeah, yeah like right. still, like people can't, you can't get walked on for sure, you know. Right. Yeah. And so now that you're going to be outed as the 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 biggest MD in LA, like people <laughs> are going to want to approach you, and that's another interesting thing that probably is the case because I, I was a musical director for a while too, and like people coming at you all the time is annoying yet you also need to have a rolodex full of players sure so that you can keep tabs on who's in town and when someone calls you gotta have a person yeah so what 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 is the preferred way of someone to approach you and like i guess it's really a discussion about networking because it's a it's a tricky thing about being pushy but not too pushy and it's a great question yeah and and um and i can tell you that i i really struggle with it because because yeah i am I try to have empathy and say, when I moved to LA, I didn't know anything and I didn't know where to go. And it was scary. And my brother's friends helped me. So I like really right. do enjoy passing that on. And I think have done a lot of that and a lot of coffee and a lot of phone calls of like, here's the best advice I can give you, you know? But then sometimes in my life, I just don't necessarily have like the time for like coffee or, you know, I think everyone wants to have coffee all the time, right, you know, right, and I right, get right. it. I'm not, I'm not mad at all, but like, you know, we're on the road a lot and yeah. trying to engage now. I want to spend time with my close friends and my fiance. And mm. sometimes I'm realizing, Oh man, I really, I feel the need to be in touch or I want to give these people asking for advice or to be in touch like some time, but I also don't have the time for my closest friend like, like that. Right. That's yeah. been an interesting thing to try to navigate. But I think letting people know what you do and what you're really good at is a good way um, to, to, to network and, and to have it be very easily visible. You know, I think if you want to come here and you're really good at whatever, Ableton Live or guitar or something, like if there's a way you can show someone that in an email with not a lot of information in it and like 
not like here's five YouTube links if you scroll to the two minutes in <laughs> after the after the speech for three and right. you know find a way like here's something of do me. some editing yeah exactly so yeah. you can click on this thing and here's me playing guitar the way that I want to show you right. this is what I do mm-hmm. you know if you can make it quick and easy I think. There's nothing wrong with reaching out and saying like, I, I, I do this and I want to work. And I think I could be valuable to someone like you. You right. know, I think where it gets to be a bummer is if it's like all the time or if it's like, hey, you don't have time this week to like have coffee, like uh, upset about uh, it or like, uh, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and the live gig thing can be tough sometimes, you know, you want to talk, go out and network with people but sometimes they're busy hanging out with their friends it's a tough thing what, what would yeah. you give what would you tell people i mean i think all those things i think it's just a it's a i think it's just about being considerate of people and it's like you know the nice thing about being in la is that there is a certain expect it's not that weird to go and schmooze because yeah. that's what we're all here for like la is a weird town of like everyone just coming here to exploit the resources and you know it's not nobody wants to live in LA to a certain degree. You know what I mean? It's, I love it. It's a great town. It's been amazing, but there, it is a, you come here to be successful. You know, you come here to, to, uh, so that, so it's like, I had to get over that when I first got here. Cause I'm not a schmoozer. I don't really enjoy it. It's, it's hard. Back then it was, I had a demo in my hand and I'm a vacuum cleaner salesman. I'm yeah. walking up to people who don't know me and I don't know that, you know, and I'm just like, you sounded great at Cafe Cordial that night. You know, I, you know, after they come off stage, I, now I got to go harass them and like, nobody wants that. But at the same time, everyone sort of expects it to a certain degree. So if you're just respectful yeah. and don't take a lot of time. Like you're saying, that's why back then I had a demo. So it was just like, Hey, can I give you my demo? Great to meet you. You sounded awesome. Get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Get in, get out. Don't take a, you know, take as little of their time as you can. But I think that makes sense. But yeah, it is a tricky, tricky balance. And to some degree, it's like, you're probably going to screw it up because everybody has different expectations too, you know? Exactly. And you're not going to know that until you just do it. But if you want to work, you're probably better off screwing it up. And the other thing is, is like you go to the next guy and you complain about this new kid who just moved in town. You're going to probably say his name at some point and he's effectively moved his name to the next person, whether it's a complaint or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. As long as it's not horrible, as long as it's just a little, yeah, this guy just keeps on me. And like, you know, as long as it's not like, He's making racist comments and, and you know, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a deal breaker, yeah. then that's not good. But if you're just pushing a little too hard, probably not the worst thing in the world and you're going to learn, but. Right. And I think any, everybody understands like, like, yeah. you know, we all right. have done it. We all have. Yeah. And just like you just explained, like at some point you came to this town and, and I'm the same way. It's another reason I like doing this podcast. It's like, I learned all this from somebody and I'm, I got to pass it on to the next person. That's how we how we keep this business afloat, I suppose, you know? Which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another good thing I tell people too sometimes is, um, you know, get a crew of people your age if you can Mm. and try to like, like when I moved here, it was whatever, Ricky Minor, and, you know, it's like, I I could call the guy who was the Tonight Show's music director. They're going to call people that they've been working with for 30 years. Right. They're not like, hey, I'm here. I'm in town. I'm great. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've been working with this person for 30 years, and they're amazing. And that's the same thing. I have these relationships with people who I'm going to call. But 
if you can develop that for yourself, if you can have like, if you're 23 and you just moved in town, you get a bunch of other dudes in their 20 and you're a good, solid, young crew and you're playing hotel cafe every night and you meet some managers who are in their 20s mm. and you meet some, first of all, I'm probably going to hear about it. Someone's going to say, man, did you see that crew that played with that new artist on, you know, right? they're awesome and they're right. all cool. And like, I'll probably hear about it more than like yeah. getting a DM, right? Right. And then also try to, yeah, who's some who's someone managing that like maybe 20 years from now, some kid's going to write that manager. Yeah. Like, hey, I just moved to town. They'd be like, well, I've been working with this guy now for 20 years. You know what right. I mean? That's exactly. that's kind of what you want right. is to just develop relationships in your own crew, in your own age group that you can grow with. And that yeah. will serve I, I you. used to call them an alliance, like Survivor. There you you go. got to get your alliances. Yes. And like the guy that I'm always going to call you and you're always going to call me. Yep. And like, you know, we're together, we're going to go take over the town. Yeah. That'll yeah, serve great. you. That'll serve you better than trying to get like yeah. some old MD to hire you who's yeah. probably like, you know, maybe will someday, but that, that'll be better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the reason I know you is because you are now on the Dwight Yoakam gig. Yes. Sort of maybe forever, maybe not. We don't know. <laughs> I hope forever. <laughs> Which seems to be a pretty cool fit for you, turns out, after all these pop gigs that we've sort of talked about. And you're... You're really kind of a, well, for one, you're the utility guy. So you don't play guitar once again, yeah, yeah. maybe that's a bummer, <laughs> but you learned fiddle in like months <laughs> next to impossible to do. It's a wild, incredibly impressive. Again, love to learn. Obviously sure. you don't even have to say it because like nobody would do that unless they really love practicing and, and learning new stuff. Um, so is it great to finally, it feels like a more fit musically it, it, for you. it really is fun for me. I've always wanted to do so, something in this. You know, I listen to a lot of a lot of records in, in Dwight's lane. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I love Dwight. And and yeah. to get to play that music and to be challenged with that utility chair, is it, it's like my brain is just in, in ecstasy. I, I, it's, right. It's, it's right. It's just for me. And, and, and it's, you know, it's an amazing band. He, I've learned so much from him, you know, yeah. the yeah. way to play. The, the records he talks about, the stories he tells, it's just, mm. it's been, it's been an incredible experience for me, both just to like experience music, but also to grow, you know, yeah. it's, it's been great. And it's kind of interesting too, because you have talked a lot about like, show people who you are and that will lead to gigs, but you really went, a, 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 you know, a far path around to get to where you finally wanted to be. So on the other hand, a lot of it is just, you also need to recognize this Demi Lovato gig as an opportunity and take it. Oh, a hundred percent. Don't wait. Cause you might've just sat around for the last 10 years before Dwight Yoakam came up and probably wouldn't come up cause nobody would have heard of you. Right. You know, on the other hand, it's like, and even Dwight, I'm sure when you heard that name and you got that call, you probably were like, that's an opportunity. I have to, it's about recognizing those moments of like, jump on this one. Absolutely. And, 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 and yeah, for, for, for me, it it was, yeah, well, yeah, I want to play for these legendary singers like Bruce Springsteen and, you know, Dwight Yoke. It's like, no one's going to call me right. for that <laughs> ever, you know, right. you know, when, when, when you're 24 and just moved to LA and it's just, yeah, you have to, to work and, and not to say like the, I mean, the, the, the Demi experience was an incredible, like learning experience as well. And like had so right. much was fun, but like that was that was the type of thing that that was that I could do at the time. 
And it mm-hmm. was yeah, the the yeah, I recognize it. It's like this is where I need to be, you know. Right. And and yeah. it was and it, it is really rewarding now to be yeah, because it would I'd be on those tours a lot and be playing a dobro in like the dressing room, you know, right. like during the day. So it's nice to actually with Dwight, I just play the kind of stuff that I would play on my free time. Right. If I have a day off, mm. I get to not play that on stage, which is, I mean, that's a lucky thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then right almost the same time, you get a big call. Sure. From Miss Casey Musgraves. And you're now her musical director, which is like, I guess if you, you play your cards right, now it's just pouring. Now there's these, you know, I mean, I guess this record of hers is not exactly country or, you know, maybe isn't as close as Dwight to what you like, but uh, still it's like country artists are just raining down on you now. It's, <laughs> I mean, falling I, in your lap. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny that the, the new record for, for her, I really enjoy, you know, cause a lot of my favorite country artists like Willie Nelson and Dwight and mm-hmm. Amy Lou Harris, you know, Wrecking Ball by Amy Lou and Always on My Mind by Willie. Like, they, right. they have really made records like this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I look at what she's doing as, like, completely in the lineage of a country artist, whether, like, this particular record, qual- what category, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't work at a CD store. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but, like. What are those? <laughs> it's like business cards. It's in the same term. Right. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I think this is a completely legitimate move in the in the lineage of great country artists exploring the sounds of their like listen to always on my mind by willie nelson i mean it's like 80s production but right. somehow still sounds like willie mm-hmm. unmistakably and that's what i think of this record it's like it's exploring the sounds of today but it's it no one else it, it, you hear it, this is a casey record right. through and through you know right. lyrically right. 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 the voice and that, that's what i think is important people get really hung up with like what are we going to call this one i'm like it's a yeah. casey musgraves record that's what yeah. it is you it's know true. to me yeah but um yeah i don't know I, I i i'm very i can't believe i'm very lucky with how the the singers that are that i'm that are calling me these. I, I kind of, you know, yeah. I'm just very grateful to, to work with people that I admire yeah. as much. Like Casey and Dwight, I loved both of their music. I was fans right. before before the gigs, which is rare for me at my point at this mm. point in my career. You know, and you, your first gig out the gate is the VMAs. Yeah, I mean, a certain amount of pressure to that. No, sure. <laughs> yeah, I started the song off with this, and uh, it's guitar. yeah. yeah. <laughs> First gig out of the gate is just you in front of, I don't know how many people watch the VMAs anymore, but I'm assuming some kind of millions. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it was it was something not to try not to mess up for sure. Right. And is that the first time? Well, you must have rehearsed. Yeah, we rehearsed and 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 there was just a really good rapport right away. You know, she's yeah. so she's so like just nice and easy personality, like knows what she wants and just she just started playing with us and it felt like, oh, this is this is gonna be great, you know, yeah. right off the bat. But yeah, that that was a that's a tall order. You know, there yeah. wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't any bar gigs or anything or you know, warm right. up state fairs. It was just like, here you go, VMAs. You yeah. Know, for sure. And are these award shows things that you enjoy doing? Yeah. I mean I they're mean, kind of because it's also a really chaotic, not the most ideal first gig. How about that? <laughs> you know, like sounds probably an issue because you've got so many bands going all the time and it's yeah, it's a while. I mean, they have a great they have a great crew there, so mm. they they did a good job. But yeah, it's yeah. you know you turn on the TV and you see this 
wild sets and like it comes rolling on and off in like five minutes you're plugging in a guitar it, it is it's chaos you yeah. know um something about it i enjoy it it feels like you're almost like you know coming out like you know like the basketball teams and they're announcing you know michael jordan you like walk onto this arena it, right. it feels more like like you're going into some kind of a sports match or something right, yes <laughs> at those things like you just like get rolled up like here you go play your song yeah. so it's it's a different kind of challenge that i enjoy but um it's it's not quite the feeling you get from like playing a bar gig with your friends you know? <laughs> yeah and it's interesting too because the, the song starts out nylon string soft song yeah so i'm sure it was crazy to be just like blah, 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 go yeah and it came off great by the way it sounded amazing it's very cool thank you and uh the set was awesome you told a story about the pyro oh yeah words like (laughs) i think is another good example of the crazy stuff that happens on these shows yeah this is a good i mean um you know we're up there in soundcheck and there's pyro and it's right next to us and they and they test it and then the entire guitar goes out of tune (sighs) With 45 seconds. And this is a sound check, you know, so yeah. frantically, tune, you know, or you tune the guitar. And then, and I'm glad we did it because then when we actually did the, the show, I s- stepped to the side and right. waited waited for that to go. And then they lit it. And then I sat down with an in tune guitar. <laughs> but, um, which I also think is another example of how on your feet you've got to be. Sure. Like that had to be a move that you, first of all, took in, you know, and then reacted to. Because if that had happened again at the show, who knows if you would have had a second gig? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just you in an out of tune guitar, you know, on TV. Yeah, it's you know? that is those things can be a gauntlet that are very like different than what the practice room has to offer for sure, <laughs> you know. And it's a different. Right. And um, I did a lot of exploring on that, honestly, in in COVID. Um, like, have you ever heard of Alexander Technique? And you've told me about it. It's I yeah. just I found this like interesting teacher guru guy named Bill Connable who's a cello teacher, but like I studied just overall like like the body mechanics and a lot of emotional and nervous system information to like because a lot of people you get to a, you sit in your bedroom and your hands feel a certain way and then you go out on stage and they clam up. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of really interested in that difference. Right. How do I be on stage and have it feel like a bedroom and that was really helpful. I mean, that I can say that it transformed how I've been playing this year, you know, wow. it's been cool. That's awesome. Know? Yeah. Cause your second gig is now Saturday night live, right? No pressure there. It's just live <laughs> TV in front of, I don't know, millions of people again, you know, it's a, it's quite a trial by fire, I guess, you know, getting into this gig. Sure. But, and now you've got to, I, the interesting thing too, and we've got to had band discussions about it on Dwight because there's not much else to do when we're just sitting around. Um, but uh, now you've got to figure out how to take, and, and I was also, I've listened to the record many times now because I'm also a huge fan. And it's very mellow. And, you know, in the one of the, both of the songs on Saturday Night Live are, you know, mellow tunes and, and drummer with a shaker, you know, and, and, uh, how have you i'm sure you've got thoughts about how does how are you going to translate that into an arena tour that's going to happen sure. in january you know sure and i think it's i've thought a lot about like it, as la musicians how we think about these things you know and i mm-hmm. think it's it's interesting now i'm my fiance is not not a musician mm. you know and i talk about music 
with her. Like she's a huge music fan and really like hears things in a, in a way that I think is informative. And I think in LA, we use a lot of vocabulary, like smashed and crushed and, mm-hmm. you know, stamped out. <laughs> you know, we, we, we annihilated that song. We right. burned it down. You know, Killed it's it. a very aggressive f- vocabulary that we use to like think of, okay, this performance was good because we were like, like on 10, you know? And it's been an interesting learning experience. I think that's not really like a vibe that, that, that like that's, if you listen to her music, to me, it doesn't really fit like just going and smashing everything with no nuance. Right. So she is such a good director of like tastes and what like her performances are going to be that I've kind of taken a deep breath. It's usually okay, it's, it's on me to make this smash, you know? And I'm like, okay, if we like take a deep breath, make the band sound really good, she is able to deliver a compelling performance, you know, and we don't, and we can keep it tasteful and keep it like in the vibe of how she, she's singing these songs. And that that has been a really cool thing. It's like, oh, just trust trust her. She's yeah. going to she's gonna make this good. If we just sound good, we don't have to like artificially make this, sound like WWF intro or whatever. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right, it does, right. That would yeah. actually be kind of weird. You know? <laughs> totally. So that's been that's been the learning experience. Weird and one. like kind of not that unusual, really. If you, you know, in a lot of pop acts, especially, it's like you, they just ramp everything up, you know, to 95. And yeah, everything cares on, about taste, really? We're in an arena. <laughs> just play loud. Everything's on 10, right? <laughs> yeah. And I and I think that's, that's for some singers that really works. And I, yeah. and I think... You know, if you listen, I think that's a wise thing. Let her lead. She will make this compelling because mm-hmm. she's, in my opinion, a very compelling yeah. artist with a lot of vision. So it's like, yeah. okay, we don't need to, we don't need to be on ten. Our dynamics can be a lot different than nine and a half to ten, which is most pop shows. Right, know? right, right, right. Let's right. let's let's yeah. let's let it breathe a little bit, and I think her fans will appreciate that. I think it will yeah. stand out on shows like the VMAs and festivals. I think it'll stand out. Mm-hmm. Personally, yeah. you know, yeah, and what a luxury as an MD to have such a talented artist because I'm sure a lot of the gigs that you've done, you haven't had that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> you've done a lot of YouTube people, and, and you know, and I'm sure they're all great. Sure, they're all great, but there are different dynamics. Sometimes you're filling in the gaps, you're holding it all together to make sure the artists can get through a song. You know, maybe just because of inexperience, not because they're not talented. You know? Sure, but to be with a seasoned person who's played hundreds of shows and arenas and, and, and sheds and whatever. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It really, it's, 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 it's lucky, you know, to have that on our team, you know, we're like, we got, you know, and that, that has, that has been, you know, even some of the, some of the, the, the more pop people, I think people would be surprised at how talent, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like, um, like Megan Trainor, someone I've worked with for years and she's just really like talented you know yeah. writes and produces all their stuff and sings in tune and you know right. does all their own harmony you know it's mm-hmm. and sometimes people put that and like oh they're making pop music it's there's not much to see here and, and yeah I've, I've gotten to see behind the curtains and i like wow this person's really right has has a lot mm-hmm. you know going on yeah it's cool well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me for way too long i'm oh. taking up your whole day because i'm just fascinated it's been so great and it's cool that we i mean we haven't spent a lot of time together as far as you know years or anything but we do spend a lot of time yeah. together and i still can have a two-hour conversation you know that i think that's a that's a road skill yeah you know, in a certain way you know but um it's been nothing but 
awesome talking to you and thank you so much for coming thanks i love what you're doing with this thing so you cool. know, best of luck well tell 500 of your closest friends <laughs> i will i will <laughs> well i guess i need to brush up on my emily dickinson <laughs> uh man what a great 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 conversation i hope you guys got a lot out of that so i will say in terms of all of this chop talk and maybe i've said this on the show i'm not sure but you know, it's not like you don't have to have chops or you shouldn't have chops and be able to solo and, and do crazy stuff. It's more about knowing when to use it and when not to use it. And, and I think in terms of Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff, there should be just as many examples of your tasteful playing and simple playing as there is your crazy, awesome soloing. Um, but at the same time, if you're on stage with an artist and he turns to you and says, go, you got to be able to blow and you got to be able to go and do, you know, something that's impressive to people and, and something chop oriented. So it's not like, you know, you can be lazy about it. It's, you, it's just the more things, you know, the more gigs you're going to have and the more gigs you're going to be able to take and the more people are going to want you on the gig. It's about being a well-rounded player. I loved when he was talking about making his own music and, you know, the fact that he does that as an outlet and also to maintain some empathy for the artist that he works with. Because I think one of the best things you can do as an MD for your artist is to show up with an open mind. Because ultimately, my job, your job as, an, as a musical director is to help them to achieve what they're trying to do creatively and musically and whatever. So it's, it's, you know, obviously sometimes you're going to be called upon to have some input musically and creatively, but other times your job is just to try to translate. So if your ego gets too involved and you're not going to make decisions for the right reasons, maybe, but it also made me think that I don't think you need a reason to make music, you know, and if you're a true creative, then you have to create. You know, if you're a true songwriter, then you have to write songs. And your life is not going to be complete if you're not doing that. And you're maybe not going to make a million bucks. And maybe the stuff you make isn't even going to be the greatest stuff. But it's more an exercise for your soul, I think. And that's my opinion. And as a person who has to create, it, it just has to happen. And and you, I think the older you get sometimes or the more you go down a sideman path, the less reasons you have to make your own music. Do you need a reason other than you need to create? And if you're the only one who hears it or you're your wife or your kids or your your mom or your dad are the only ones who hear it and maybe you can get some enjoyment out of it it's it's you've put something good into the world or at least something real and something from yourself into the world and i i kind of think that's all that's always a positive i mentioned the diploma program at berkeley versus the degree program and berkeley is a little unique because it offers a degree program which is just a normal college and you take academics or you can go diploma route which is no you don't take academics it's just basically becomes a trade school for music and it costs a little less and you do less credits and at the end you get a piece of paper that says that's your really needs drew mentioned the 55 bar which is in new york city in the west village 
at uh, 55 Christopher Street. <laughs> and it's a really amazing bar that's, uh, I've seen my favorite guitar player, Mike Stern, there a couple of times. It's a great place. And I guess they've been kind of struggling during the pandemic, but they are now reopened. And I was just on their website. Tickets are available to shows currently. And Mike Stern's actually playing there on December 31st. So next time you're in New York City, uh, maybe show some support for live music and, and for live music clubs and check out the 55 bar. And I did mention that we have a tradition that when a, mu- a musician's name comes up in conversation, generally we say, phenomenal player, uh, amazing player. And we mentioned Jennifer Condos, and I don't know her personally, um, but I've only heard incredible things, and I feel bad that we didn't have a reaction for her. So Jennifer Condos, phenomenal bass player. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you have an absolutely fabulous holiday season and hopefully i will speak at you in 2022 that's a lot of hoping but uh what can i say i'm a hopeful person thank you for listening wow you've made it to the end i'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening and remember, it's all about dreams. Dreams.